In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that arms you with all the skills, all the games, all the strategies to be the very best thing in the world to your dog. So today we're talking vehicles, we're talking cars, we're talking traveling with dogs. Mm. And actually, this is something that both you and I do all of the time and pretty seamlessly. And at the same time, this for some people can cause a huge headache, like a lot of problems, whether that's a barking dog, whether that's a dog at sick, whether that's a dog that's spinning in the car, jumping all over the seats, causing chaos to the neighborhood, whether that's basically just something you completely avoid with your dog because actually traveling for some people and some dogs can actually be quite stressful yeah absolutely and i guess that the you know the first thing that we've got to talk about and we've got to think about is safety when it comes to vehicles and so what we what we do not recommend and what is you know illegal in many countries is for dogs to be loose in the car with access to the driver it is not something that is going to be a good idea ever um and even the most kind of like well-behaved calm dog at times can get spooked by things can get scared of things can get excited about things and that you know when it happens in a vehicle with access to the driver that potentially has a very serious consequence like a major consequence right and actually this can put us into a situation that safety is really paramount right and equally you know going kind of on the flip side of that if the driver has a moment of being scared being excited being distracted you know you can't account for the the behavior of other drivers or road users either and so you want to make sure that your your dog is you know safe and secure as they can be in that vehicle and and so our dogs they are um, effectively crated in vehicles now that might vary um from a uh, you know an airline crate that's secured in through to um, effectively like a purpose-built crate for the the back of the car. And the key is that this allows us to firstly decide what we do want rather than what we don't want um, in the form of creating a lovely calm space um, but secondly it also makes sure that everybody's nice and safe and I think that's one of the the big things for um, our vehicles is it's a calm space mm. right like yeah. we rehearse the room so this is something we talk about all the time actually rehearse the room is something we do in our households to create calm spaces how about rehearsing the room when we're talking about actually a dog in yeah. a vehicle because yeah. we want our dogs in vehicles to be settled we want our dogs in vehicles to be happy we want our dogs in vehicles to be well we want it to be harmonious and so actually that's not just for the dog that's for the whole vehicle and everybody in the vehicle yeah absolutely and so this kind of lays the foundation for how we would tackle and how we would totally avoid and prevent many many struggles so let's kind of take them one struggle at a time and let's think firstly about motion sickness or car sickness that some dogs can experience especially young dogs when they you know just getting used to it and the first thing to say on this is that there is an el- sure there is an element 
of the motion causing them to feel sick. But what can often happen is this can become a bit of a triggered reflex response. So they get in the car and they're already feeling sick because there's been that pairing there of get in the car, feel sick, get in the car, feel sick. I'm sure you can all relate to this. You know, for some of you, I'll say tequila and you'll you'll immediately feel it. Others, I'll say vodka and you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm there. No, I feel that triggered response. And yet, and unless it's kind of party time, you're probably not drinking it right now. So um, this can happen with dogs in exactly the same way in that that space triggers that nausea. So the first thing that, that we think about is actually doing lots of putting your dog in the car and then getting them out again. Maybe actually for some dogs, it starts before that of just walk towards the car, walk away from the car so that they you expose them to the trigger, but they don't feel the response. So it's a little bit like, you know, if we're going with the human example again, it might be that there is the tequila bottle on the table and yet you're not going to drink any, right? And so- Tom, you sound fairly familiar with this experience. I'm struggling to say the word tequila. Um, And so um, what you start to do is you start to just actually get used to not feeling sick around that trigger and then you build up from there. And as a vet behaviorist, you must see a lot of this with dogs, right? Because dogs are coming to you for their first sort of appointments and visits and coming for checkups and whatever else they might need in their puppy stages. So I bet you see a lot of dogs like this. And I also bet that whilst my dogs are very well-traveled and whilst they go all over the country competing and abroad, actually, I bet there are some people that their only visit that they ever go on is to visit the vet. Yeah, and you know, the extreme example of that for sure is, you know, we can look at another species. We can look at the the cat. Oh my, that is a whole experience taking a cat to the vet. (laughs) Poor cats, because they literally only go in the car to go to the vets or to go to the cattery or something something like horrible like that. I, I, we, so, I just very quickly, our, um, our, our, our late, well, deceased ben, Bengal cat, his his visits to the vet would just be yeah. the whole car yeah. would be like, meow, meow, yeah. Twice, meow. A, you know, once or like, twice a year, either you're to, already like, hold sick. Him. I mean, oh God, oh. and he, he was mum's cat really. So yeah. like, it was a stressful experience. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we've got to be careful not to do is create that with our dogs. So I guess the first thing is, is purposeless interactions with the car, whether that's walking towards the car, popping them in the car, taking them out, pop them in the car, drive around the corner, drive back, just so that they we stop this triggered response. And in turn, the, the key to not feeling kind of nauseated and then feeling sick is actually to do it in such small doses that they get used to it and we build up. Now, of course, we're we're game changers, we're games-based dog trainers, so we also think about parallel things that we can do that are going to help them with that experience, ways that we can train for the situation rather than in it. And for sure, um, one element of that experience is the wobble, is the movement, is the, you know, something moving underneath you that you don't have full control over. And so we do lots of um, effectively what we call balance paths with our young dogs, where we set up like some kind of wobbly pathway and we just reward them for interacting with it. We maybe bait it with bits of food all the way along. It might have, you know, some pillows. It might have some like physio wobble cushions on it. it might have a plank of wood where we raise one end and it's a little bit wobbly and what we do is we just get our dogs used to actually you know what sometimes things move underneath you and it's not something to worry about and i think that's the big thing right it's just being aware of all the things we can 
do away from this yeah. that might be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So the second struggle that we know that that some of you will have with um, vehicles is vocalizing in the vehicle. And what we're talking about here is not reacting to things outside the vehicle. What we're talking about is actually they get in the car and they're whining or barking or making little noises because maybe they're excited about where they're going. And I think this is possibly one of the biggest reasons that people do reach out for training is when actually yeah. they realize that this journey is no longer a fun journey. It's actually a very yeah. stressful journey. And they actually, they, they don't know what to do. So, uh, drivers, owners are coming to classes going, he's just arrived. And, and literally, I my head is blown before yeah. I even get to class because I can't even stand the noise he's been making the whole time. And actually, it actively puts them off getting in the car. Yeah. So quite quickly, that dog doesn't get in the car because they can't stand the noise that the dog makes in there. So that's the problem, right? Yeah. What are we going to do about it? So what we're going to do about that one is, again, we're actually going to be doing purposeless interactions with the car. So again, we might walk towards the car. We might walk away from the car. We might walk towards the car. We might pop them in for 10 minutes, give them a Kong or something. You know, you sit in the driver's seat, listen to the radio, you get out again, you pop them away again maybe next time you go you give them a chew and maybe you drive around the corner you come back that's the end of it what we need the car to do is not always just like with cats where it, the, the journey always ends in a bad experience what we need to be careful to do with our dogs is make it that the journey doesn't always lead to an exciting experience and, and we want to have um, good non-events right yeah. like we want to have actually not dissimilar to like presence doesn't mean access yeah. in the household actually getting in the vehicle doesn't mean you're going on a really amazing experience sort of beach walk yeah actually sometimes we're just getting in the car equally it doesn't mean a bad thing either actually it's just a non-event so yeah. actually being in the car we almost want to create it like an extra house space if you were maybe um training gun dogs or it, like in my world in agility or maybe you're doing um, any other dog sport or scenario actually our dogs spend a lot of time traveling or in vehicles when they are going to um potentially be in there for a long time yeah. because when we do compete they might in the uk you might be in in the vehicle most of the day uh, obviously well ventilated and obviously um, well set up at the same time I think that's why our dogs get so 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 good at yeah. it they're almost pros at traveling so I suppose it's almost using that vehicle as an extra space it's an extra extension of what you have in the house right so you've got an extra um, opportunity to train yeah absolutely and the, um, the a great example of that is maybe when you arrive arrive at home um, you know as long as it's safe to do so temperature permitting and whatever else what we'll do is we'll we'll go into the house we'll maybe um, answer two emails so we might be in there let's say 10 minutes and then we might come back out and get our dogs from the vehicle so the 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 stopping of the vehicle does not necessarily mean that anything's happening even that is a non-event in itself and of course this always has to be aligned with safety in terms of you know is it a safe place that your car is is it is there any chance at all of potentially your dog um, being being stolen or interfered with or is the temperature right these kinds of things you want to think about but where you can you want to mix it up and that might just be for 10 minutes you answer emails on your phone in the car with the car stopped at home um, and then you get out the car so that that stopping of the car doesn't immediately trigger I mean, vocalizing let's have the experience of bet and the handbrake because i oh, think that's word, a really yeah. good example it's isn't such a good it for example, what yeah. it might mean I had an experience where effectively um, Tom's driving is bad, but I, I just don't. I'm just not a handbrake user, right? Um, and so, um, what what was happening is 
Bet was whenever I'd get to my end destination, Bet was starting to do these very light, light squeaks. And I, and of course, I know that where this can go, and I don't want vocalizing to to become a thing in the car. So I was like, what is triggering this? Because it doesn't happen when I stop at a traffic light. It doesn't happen if I'm just like I don't know, stopped for whatever other reason, stopped in traffic, for example. But it, it she knows when I've got to a destination, and it can be any destination. And what I realized is. Because I don't use my handbrake unless I'm getting out of the car, she'd predicted that therefore an event was happening. And so I had to actually start using my handbrake at traffic lights, using my handbrake in traffic, so that this this um this sound and this feeling didn't actually become a predictor of something happening and didn't worsen the vocalizing. And the thing is what you've got to think with your dogs is there might be multiple little things like this that are contributing to this predictability picture. And so the best thing to do is be very purposeless in the way that you get them to interact with the car and the way that you interact with the car. So one of the other struggles that I typically see as a dog trainer that happens, and it's happened to myself as well, is a dog not wanting to get in the car. So actually, um, I've had this with my young dog, Tokyo. He's seen the car and he's actually just lay down. Now, he's not necessarily running away or doing anything silly. His lie down is actually quite an obvious message when you see the car Mm -hmm. versus Blink, who's like bouncing in and out of the car and desperate. In fact, Ketone's another example who's desperate to get home to the car. Like they love the car. So I think this is another experience experience that we've had is these dogs that maybe you go for a walk and you know that when you come home um it's on the way back they stop wanting to come close to you and i was out with a friend only the other day and i said to her pop her on the lead at different points on the walk because you can see she already doesn't want to go back in that car so you could already spot that the car is an issue and the predictor of getting back to the finish of the walk and no longer having a recall is basically hand in hand with not wanting to get in the car and i think people don't always spot that they're kind of like he doesn't want to go home and so he doesn't sometimes it is also about the car Mm -hmm. right like it's also about the vehicle you know you've got to think that for for some dogs and some personality types the car's a pretty bad deal in that they've got to be still they've just got to be like calm and still and we're you know we're convincing them that that's a good idea be calm and still and i ignore you while i drive right that's not you you can see how that can quickly turn into hmm, maybe Bad i don't want to do that Bad deal. Um, and so as lauren said one um, way to work on this is to actually make it so that you lead them to the car and then you you, you kind of get rid of that conflict it's very but, unpredictable that way that like, yeah. they don't necessarily know when they're going on lead and when they're on lead then you've taken that choice away so yeah. actually the choice framework is much more narrow they, they haven't got all of the choices that they might have off lead right exactly and you might pop them on lead then let them off pop them on lead and let them off throughout the walk so that they don't know when this is coming the the second thing that we do a lot of with our dogs is we get them to hop in and then we get them to hop out. And sometimes and what it. we'll do is we'll open the vehicle. So both Tom and I, um, different vehicles, but I will open both side doors of the van. Yeah. You would open, the say, the back of the truck and they would go through. Yeah. And what we would do is we'd literally in a safe space, maybe you're on Moorland or maybe you're in your own house if you've got a sensible driveway or maybe a, a set, set up at a park or wherever you mm-hmm. can do this safely without roads involved. For me, this is open both sides of the vehicle and just get them to hop through it. So I turn this into another game, like hopping in the vehicle is fun. Hop in, hop out, hop in, hop out, hop in, hop out. Sometimes hop in, into the crate, sit there for 10 seconds, hop out, out you go. Come in, twist in the van, get out. Come in, lie down in the van, get out. Like literally, I try to make 
it a game, yeah. right? How you play a game is how you play life. We play a game in a real sort of varied, fun way. And that's how life goes with them. And, and, and for our dogs, they never know then what's coming. Yeah. So they don't necessarily know what's coming. The anticipation of the vehicle is fun. The anticipation of the vehicle is, is not a stress. The anticipation is the vehicle is, is just something we do. And the, the key is with this, guys, that often we'll um, come across dogs and owners who they have this daily battle with the vehicle and they don't work on it because they don't see it as being, you know, a problem. It's not a battle worth fighting. But what we'd argue there is that actually, if you start a journey with stress and you end a journey with stress, that's probably, do you think you're going to do more things with your dog and you're going to have more freedom? Or are you over time going to maybe do less things with your dog and have less freedom? Well, of course it's the second, because if something's not a great experience, whether you consciously know it or not, you're probably going to do that thing less. And so what we say is that actually, this is a, a core part of our training with our dogs, that we would really want to get our vehicles nice and calm and stress-free, because then that allows us to do even more with our dogs and for our dogs to come even more places with us. And I think that's the cool thing is that our dogs get maximum freedom, the better behaved they are in maximum situations. Yeah. So the, the better they are in lots of different situations, the easier it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. So guys, you know, we've covered a lot of covered a lot of strategies there. We've covered a lot of elements. I guess the, the final one that we that we really should tackle is dogs that react to things outside the vehicle. Yeah, and I think this is a, an ongoing struggle for so many people. One of the things that we see here at, at training classes is that people People avoid coming to classes because they're so embarrassed about how their dog behaves and I can imagine um, exactly how that feels because because I was there five six years ago probably a little bit longer with Poppy when I would arrive places I'd be like oh my god she's reacting at everything and and so only recently we had a German Shepherd in the car park and you just know it's a German Shepherd because mm -hmm. the whole vehicle moves but also the sound it has yeah. a different sound I mean it's like a it's, it, it was you, you know that it's a Shepherd yeah. and so I came out from um, I was in the office and uh, one of the trainers here was working with the dog and you could just see on the owner's face they didn't want to be in that place and, and literally everything that walked past the vehicle everything that was near the vehicle the dog's bucket was gone like yeah. literally it was a bit of a mess right yeah, absolutely. so what do we do about it so we want to think about training for the situation in that instance and the, the key is that um, it requires a great deal of optimism and a great deal of confidence to be cool about being trapped in a moving box and have things go on around and you, things right? thrown, <laughs> thrown left right and centre from the I don't know the, the neighborhood jogger yeah. to the um, squirrel that's going to run dogs. past and the cat and then the clown appears. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's it, just, there's a you lot name going it. on and there you're is. trapped in a moving metal box. Like, it, it's a big ask. And so the so, strategies that we've got, because we have got strategies absolutely. that will help with this. What, what we do is we build optimism outside of that situation. And because, away from the situation rather yeah. than putting them in that moment. And equally, if they are going to be in that moment... We're also going to look at management strategies to make that a little bit easier for yeah. our owners and our dogs. 100%. And what we've got to realize, if we want our dogs to be optimistic in the car, that means we want them to be super optimistic outside the car. Because when they're in the car, they're trapped, they're in a metal box, it's moving underneath them, it is weird. Um, so we're going to build optimism, we're going to build disengagement through games like we've talked about. And the thought there is that doesn't mean you can't ever take your dog in a vehicle again whilst you're doing that. It means that, we mean whilst they are working on the optimism, whilst you're continuing to top up great training, you're also looking at a better setup in the vehicle, whether yeah. that might be a covered crate, whether that might be um, your vehicle is 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 like, for, for me, I, I have a, um, a van to travel dogs because we compete. 
So that helps to actually have it panelled yeah. and not have lots of windows um, because then they don't have extra stimulation that might not help. Yeah. So what we're saying is think cleverly about your setup as well. I'm not saying go out and replace your car with a van. What no. we're saying is look at how you're setting up. Is there anything you can screen? Is there anything you can help with whilst you're equally outside of this topping up optimism? Yeah, absolutely. And look, And eventually what will happen is as the optimism increases, you can reduce your management strategies in the vehicle and still be getting this lovely, calm, quiet vehicle. But as we say, it all starts with this foundation of just rehearsing the vehicle as a calm space. And probably if your dog's in true calmness when in the vehicle, they're less likely to react to things outside anyway. So often that, you know, regardless of the struggle, that's where it starts. Having purposeless interactions with the car, making sure that we're putting like passive calming activities like chews and lick mats in there so that effectively, you know, like your colorful canine calm mat that you're going to smear stuff on and that they lick so that they're rehearsing that emotional state in there. And then what we do is then we start to grow in the journeys and the real life stuff. So we've covered a lot there. There is a lot to take action on. And what we'd say is, you know, you might think, oh, it's not a battle I want to pick, but the reality is it will be changing your behavior and the choices that you make and the, the freedom that you have with your dog. So we would really urge you to start implementing some of these things. That was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. As always, you know what? message in, email in, let us know if you'd love us to cover a certain topic in the future. If you haven't already, please, please, please leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen on, because the reality is that the more people that see this, the more dogs and owners and relationships get saved and your reviews give people perspective on what they can expect. So with that, guys, we'll see you next week. And remember, stay, stay sexy. sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.